Hello, welcome to the AIPT Comics Podcast, episode 210, 210. Wow. Those are divisible by each other. And my name is David Brooke, and I'm divisible by myself. And Nathan Simmons is here with me to talk about comics. And I'm indivisible. <laughs> for country and all. That's right. I think. Is that how it goes? Yeah, for I liberty and justice for all. Dave, I gotta tell you, man, <laughs> it has been a tough week over here at the Simmons Homestead. And I got yes. and I am so thankful yes. to be able to talk comics with you today so true i mean i had i've had a tough week. i had car problems yeah pet problems i know man and yet i can just turn my brain off talk comics with you yeah chill out like the audience might do yeah chill <laughs> max and relax and all cool yeah and we're efficient we get in there we get out that's what this show is all about it's one hour about in out <laughs> that's in, right you know? yeah Quick. Absolutely. Unless <laughs> unless we do a bit and then yes, it takes yes. a lot of time. But today it's all business. Yes. All so time. let's start with Dick Tracy. Okay. No, yeah. Just kidding. <laughs> Man, what a joy to like yes. listen back to how excited we were for that stupid thing. It was it was it was quite fun. And yes, I listening back. You know it's funny. Uh, Reginald Hudlin was on last week, uh-huh. and. Uh, I got to talk to him about that Dick Tracy yeah, that's right. uh, thing with Warren Beatty. And he was like, wait, what? <laughs> <laughs> Which was pretty hilarious. Yeah. And I think that was the, probably how our listeners reacted Yeah, as oh, well. totally. This week, though, uh, Jackson Lansing and Colin Kelly are on to talk Batman One Bad Day Clayface, which comes out Tuesday. Uh, both of them are from Hollywood. They actually live over in California. That's right. And, uh, you know, at Clayface, as an actor, they have some interesting insight, not only in the industry, but how they brought that to this one shot. Yeah. Um, honestly, Batman One Bad Day has been an excellent series of, of you know, exercise one shots from DC Comics uh-huh. that's allowed, you know, interesting uh, non-canon uh, angles on these characters, which Clayface is also non-canon. But, right. you know, it's it's fun that they can play around, but also do it in this like prestige style format. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, they Yeah, I've really been enjoying these. The most recent one, what was Bane, right? Just a few weeks ago. Yes, we both uh, loved we that loved. One, yeah. Yes, I, mm-hmm. I I have not yet read Clayface. I'm very excited to finally dive in in the next couple of days. If you like the animated series, you'll like this one. Oh boy! You, if there's one thing oh you boy, know howdy. about me, <laughs> if it's animated, Nathan loves it. It's just period. Yep. anything. Yeah, but especially Batman the animated series. Take on me, the music video. Uh, best music one. video of all time. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, let's get to the news. Yeah. Uh, we're gonna. There's a lot of news to get through because Marvel and DC Comics both released their solicits this uh-huh. week. But in those solicits is a piece of news that I think is even bigger. Yeah. Which was a teaser. Uh, Amazing Spider-Man number 25 and 26 had a teaser released earlier in the week where Marvel promised this would be the most shocking issues in 50 years, right. and it'll be heartbreaking. And, and may what I, does it all may mean? I remind you that we just finished a run where like the main villain was like a, an AI that turned into a demon and then cloned a couple kids or something like that. So there's there's been some shocking issues of Amazing Spider-Man over the years. Yeah, a lot of people are trying to unpack it, especially since Mary Jane is prominently featured on the issue 25 uh-huh. cover. So maybe we'll finally find out what happened between them and how, you know, uh, in six months time, Mary Jane became married with children. <laughs> <laughs> right. Yeah, it's it's a it's a conundrum for sure. And you know, I I I've, I've I go on Reddit a lot. A lot of people are hoping MJ and Peter get back together, but I'm pretty sure Marvel editorial who are still in charge uh-huh. have said we do not want them back together. Uh so it's that heartbreak might involve Mary Jane, I don't know. Yeah. Losing a contact in her eye. Uh <laughs> yeah. Maybe not getting the Valentine's going she back wanted. on Secret Hospital and then it gets canceled. Oh, that'd be the worst. I'm such a These fan are... of 90s Mary Jane soap opera actress. <laughs> yeah, yeah, she has an Chain interesting smoking eras, and throwing sure. magazines at Peter's head. Like, that's that's my sweet spot. If you're reading the Black Cat Mary Jane book right now, she actually has superpowers. That's so right. She, quite a, a lot of swings when it comes to the characterization of Mary Jane. Totally. And I, you know what? I'm here for it because I love Mary Jane Watson and I just want to find out what happened. Exactly. Yeah, we've wait, we've waited over a year. That's right. Gonna, it's going to be over a year by the time we get the yeah, answer. Yeah. So, it whew, there's a lot there's a lot riding on this. Yeah. People might quit comics entirely if it's not good. <laughs> I, I I'm never reading Batman again. I have that a, Mary Jane twist. This is a good creative team though, so I I have a feeling uh you know I I have a feeling it'll be worth the wait. Totally. Um, they will be exercise issues, and John Romano Jr. is joined by Kara Andrews and right. more. It says so. 
we'll see. It's, it's, it's a bit of a celebration since it is, uh, you know, the milestone 25th issue, even though legacy numbering puts this closer to 900, I think. Yeah. No, 1,000. That's right. Yes. So, yeah, we'll see. But uh, getting into the Marvel solicitations, yeah. there is lots of cover art and cool solicits to get through. Yeah. Uh, if you go to abtcomics.com, you can see all this art, of course, because this is a podcast. There is no visuals with audio, if you didn't know. That's right. Unless, like, you do some, like, peyote or we something, We can only right? do like, so much with our words. <laughs> we can only do so much peyote with our That's words. That's right. <laughs> uh, a lot of this, uh, this information in the solicits we already knew, like Avengers number one uh-huh. is launching with Jed McKay and C.F. Fella taking over. That's the headliner information. Absolutely. But, you know, Planet of the Apes number two is coming out. And, we, and I believe Nathan's on the record to say he is a little ape boy. I'm a little ape head. <laughs> yeah. Uh, and I'm excited about uh, the, this series exploring a little bit of what's happening, uh, you know, between the movies and the the outbreak that sort of brought humanity to the brink. Uh, I'm also really stoked for more Spider-Verse, Edge of Spider-Verse. Yeah, a four-issue mini with the exact same title from 2022. Yeah, I say that because it. I'm a little confused. Why didn't they say, like, more Edge of Spider-Verse yeah, or something like that? Yeah, Edging the Spider-Verse. <laughs> that's, that's oh, the no! <laughs> that's the Pornhub version. That's right. Uh, uh, Carla Pacheco was on Twitter uh, excited yes. because of uh, Spider-Rex returning. Yeah. Spider-Rex was introduced in the last series. That's right. And you said Spider-Rex can step on my throat? Is that what you said? I couldn't Something believe- like yeah, that? Yeah, I... I did, yes. Uh-huh. I'm I'm very excited for Spider Rex because it's so outrageous, and Perry Perez is you know awesome. Xander Cannon is introducing a new character called the Spider Killer, which is they're Ooh. saying might be the scariest Spider character ever. Whoa, that's a tall that's 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 a tall claim. I'm also enjoying this uh, Ursula esque Doctor Octopus uh, and a, yes. and a, and a uh, Maleficent esque uh, Green Goblin. Like, there's some really fun. <laughs> Such stuff. a smart idea! It's so oh good. My God. That's going to end up in a cartoon someday. It's it got to be. By the way, yeah. uh, the uh, Moon Girl and Devil Dinosaur cartoon is out now, and it's so yes. fucking good. Nice. Everyone, please go watch it immediately. Very cool. Uh, there's a bunch of uh, new series launching. I do uh, love including... cartoons. <laughs> 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 we need to end the, in, this part of the show with uh, with you saying that again. Yep. Uh, Daredevil and Echo is launching. Taboo and B-Earl are back with yeah. Phil Noto this time. Really interesting so, creative team for this. And, you know, yeah. obviously a good bit of synergy since we'll be seeing a lot of those two characters coming up. Uh, we were just on Spider-Man, but then I went to Daredevil. But now I'm going to go back to Spider-Man. Dan Slott and Mark Bagley are wrapping up their Spider-Man series with Spider-Man number eight. Right. And it promises a villain to return, a classic villain at that. Interesting. Who could it be? Sandman? I'm going to say Sandman. The human, the living brain. <laughs> there you go. Uh, and also, Spider-Man is going to be supercharged, in quotes. So, uh, I don't know. Hell yeah. They're doing some interesting are. stuff right now with a, a universe where Peter Parker never became Spider-Man that I am yes. enjoying quite a bit. Out this week, yeah. And uh, heavily involved Silk, who's getting a new series. That's right. A uh, series again. Uh, in May, uh-huh. which is cool. And Spider-Man 2099, we've already talked about this, but the entire 2099 yeah. miniseries is launching all May, each week, which is cool. Love it. I'm so excited. Yeah, I, I Justin Mason can do no wrong in my mind. Yeah, no, uh, that, uh, between that and the new Storm uh, miniseries and yes. more Demon Wars, I, I mean... Groot. May is going to be really good for Marvel. Yeah, there's, there's a lot of new starts. Uh, Danny Ketch is getting his own Ghost Rider That's right. miniseries yes. by Howard Mackey. That's cool. Wild. Yeah, there's there's a lot of solicits. Holy God, it's such a long article. Yeah. And there's uh, collections in there, too. Yep. So moving on to non-Marvel-related news, uh-huh. Ghost Lore. Yeah. Do you ever uh, just you know wake up in the middle of the night and think, what are ghost stories by ghosts are like? Yeah, yeah, I, I say it exactly like that. And I, that question was awkward because I was half asleep. When what I are ghost it? stories for ghosts are like? And I, yeah, I mean, no, that is pretty accurate to how I am when I'm trying to fall asleep at night. Sure. At this point, if a horror book is announced, you and you had to bet a million dollars, you just say Cullen Bunn's right. Uh, yeah, I would say, say Cullen, I would say Cullen Bunn or or maybe James Tynan. <laughs> yes, at this point. Steve Niles is a good sure, one as well. Oh, sure. So if this ever happens on Jeopardy, just know. <laughs> Keep that in your back pocket. But yeah, Helen Vaughn and Leo Max are joining forces for Ghost Lore at Boom Studios. Uh, Jason Wordy is coloring. 
Uh, sounds like a cool concept. It's actually an idea. I was like, huh, that's that could be yeah. neat. I've never heard of that before. Yeah. So like, what? Yeah. What? What scares ghosts? What? What do they? What haunts them? Is it their own? You know, memories. What? You know, how? How do? And how do you help calm down a ghost? You know. Uh, yeah. 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 Really cool idea. I, I'm I'm really looking forward to to, to checking this one out. And then moving on to DC Comics. That's right, DC Comics news. Right. There was a little tidbits released all week, including the dawn of DC's Batman: The Brave and the Bold coming out in yeah. May. We got new information about that, which is an anthology. And uh, you were telling me about this Mitch Dradz guy and this Tom <laughs> King guy doing like a. I think it was Bat. Was it Batman? Batman was it dash? and the Jonker. Uh, I think is how it's pronounced. <laughs> the Jonker. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> nice. Yeah. No. Uh, yeah. There's. Uh, they're telling a story of the, the first encounter between the Joker and the Batman, uh, sort of inspired by uh, their work on One Bad Day. So it'll be interesting to see if this is, you know, strictly continuity or if they're going to play with mm. some ideas, you know, outside of the, the norm. Uh, mm-hmm. But they are promising that it may be the most frightening Joker story in a generation, which that's very exciting. I mean, Riddler was scary, so I think we're in for yeah. something here. And then uh, also just so excited about this. It's it's kind of hard to believe this hasn't happened before, but Dan Mora makes his writing mm. debut in this series. Right. He's doing mm. a new series of Batman black and white shorts. Uh, That's cool. Yeah. yeah. So stoked about that. Uh, Christopher Cantwell's first DC Comics work, too. Yes. Uh, yeah. With, this is with, like a historic with, issue. <laughs> Christopher Cantwell and Javier Rodriguez telling a Superman story. Um, and then... A ju- a Justice League slash Wildstorm story told by Ed Brisson and Jeff Spokes, uh, which, you know, more director bones, please. It's 64 pages, prestige format, sounds awesome. Uh, one could argue it's replacing uh, Batman Urban Legends, sure. which was an anthology that's been running for quite some time that just ended. But it looks like this one's going to be a lot more serialized, maybe. But we'll we'll see. Mm. Mm-hmm. Yeah, we will. Yeah, yeah, we there's will. A, there's a there's a preview in the DC Connect magazine as well. If you want to check it uh-huh. out, with some sweet art, <laughs> Batman kicking a guy in the face. What a jerk! Speaking of jerks, you heard about this <laughs> Jonker guy? Jonker, the Jonker. It, does he work in like a dump or yeah. something? No, uh, Joker. <laughs> yeah, this guy's getting his own generation. Did you hear about this? Whoa, hey, that's something. crazy. <laughs> Is it like Generation X? Or yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Z? <laughs> the Joker Generation. That sounds scary, actually. Yeah. Uh, yes, Sean Murphy's uh, universe is expanding with another series. But this one's drawn by Mirka and Dolfo, which is cool. Yeah. By the way, can I just stop this podcast for a second yeah, yeah, and yeah. say, I am sick. It has been like three years running. People go, rising star, Mirka and Dolfo. And every time, for the last three years, yeah. I've been like, she has been cutting up cool art for way yes. too long yep. to be called a new rising star yes can i just no okay, just I'm a done. consistent star <laughs> just a fantastic artist like how many years can we say they're new right like, i don't get it oh totally it's so strange i don't know maybe because they're you know from italy or something and they're not as widely known in america i don't know <laughs> right i mean they were doing freaking vertigo books like yep. eight years ago okay sorry off the soap. <laughs> <laughs> uh, yeah, this series is going to finally uh, bring Superman and Wonder Woman into the White Knight universe. Uh, Diana Prince is going to be featured as an FBI agent. So we're, wow. we're definitely doing, I guess, sort of the, you know, that 70s Agent Prince kind of vibe. Uh, mm-hmm. But yeah, I'm not 100% sure where it goes from there. I will know if you're not sure where to go. You have a lot of places to start yeah. in May for DC because they have Green Lantern relaunching, oh Shazam relaunching, it. Titans relaunching. There's a new and, uh, uh, Alfred graphic novel, an OGN. <laughs> yes, what's the title? Uh, Pain in the <laughs> Butler, right? Oh, boom, bang, got him. <laughs> I love that. That makes me happy. Very fun. Uh, a new... There's. Oh, go ahead. There's a Power Girl special by Leah Williams. Yes. So she's been doing Power Girl backups in action yeah. comics. So this is like a, I don't know if this is like, is it actually just taking those stories and combining them? I don't know. It doesn't say, does it? Uh, I'm not sure what page you're on. I don't know. <laughs> but we're, uh, yeah, we're, so. We're scrolling through the connect right now. I, uh, there's, yeah, there's so much stuff to be excited about. I mean, you texted me earlier maybe the best title that we've seen in a minute 
Mm. Peacemaker tries hard. <laughs> oh my god. So yeah, this is gonna be good. And you don't even need to know the solicit or the cover art to know because uh, it's Kyle Starks and Steve Pugh. Yeah. I mean, Pugh is like a genius when it, and yeah. he's been working with Mark Russell for years, and it's like the social commentary, the the acting of the characters is always on point. But then Kyle or Carl, I mean, uh, has just his comedy is so on top. Yes. So like, this is going to be a hilarious book. That's probably going to have something to say. And it's Chris trying to get a dog back that he's adopted. <laughs> I mean, it's what a setup, right? <laughs> yeah. 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 It's almost like John wick, but funny. Yeah. Maybe. He's trying to be a good guy. Um, uh, green arrow. Number two is promising a new villain alert yes. on the, uh, on the DC connect here, which is interesting. That's Joshua Williamson and Sean Isaacs. I'm really excited for City Boy uh, coming from Greg Pak and Minkyu Young. This uh, yes. this character was introduced in the Wildstorm Anniversary Special and Lazarus Planet Legends Reborn. Uh, mm-hmm. This is, uh, yeah, I, I'm very curious to see exactly how his powers work. He seems to be able to kind of go on like a, uh, a walkabout through the shadows of the city and talk to the city sort of like a Jack Hawksmore type. Uh, mm-hmm. So that's really exciting. Uh, so stoked for the vigil number one uh spirit world number one like all this dawn of dc stuff is reminding me of the dcu initiative like from like six or seven years ago when we got stuff like gotham academy coming out Mm -hmm. uh just just trying new things it's really really cool to see really encouraging it's interesting too, um, Lazarus. These all three of those those last three you just listed yeah. are spinning out of Lazarus Planet, which right. was I think there was um, maybe four anthology issues that were tying into that, uh, basically launching you know these new cre- uh, these new characters. And uh, by the way, all three of those are all Asian superheroes too, which is really cool. Yeah, they're forging the future one hero at a time. They said. Love it. Yeah, uh, and Rom Rom talked to us a little, I think, about the vigil. Yes, yeah. Um, when he was on he the was, show, he was talking. He was, you know, they they had just kind of put out. They were about to put out the first kind of tease of the vigil, and mm. yeah, he was he was really excited to to finally unveil this new team. The uh, what about that Sandman box set thing, which comes huh? with like a <laughs> replica helm? It's wild. I, I look at it. I think it's cool, but then I'm like, where am I going to put that? It's so much. Uh, oh my my favorite thing in the world <laughs> is underneath the picture, it sort of breaks down the specs. And it says yeah. helm measures 15 by 10.9 by 9.3 inches. Then under that, bone nose length, <laughs> 7.13 inches. Oh, man, that's funny. They should have that in like when they're doing like muscle man competitions. <laughs> bone length. It is bone nose length. <laughs> Uh, if you're waiting on the trade for Human Target, the second and final volume is out as well in May. Yes. Uh, and also Swamp Thing Green Hell, which may come up later in the show. I don't That's know. That's right. I don't know. I don't know anything. I don't even have an agenda here. I just I just riff. And uh, Kami Garcia and Gabriel Piccolo's uh, Teen Titans books are being reissued with interconnecting covers, which I love. If you like 800 pages of comics uh-huh. and you have $159.99... You could find yourself buying Batman One Bad Day the box set. The box set. <laughs> That'd be funny. Batman One Bad Day the box the set. Box. Batman One Bad Day the DVD the set. The bad box. They so yeah, if you've been waiting for those, yeah. uh, each one is I think around sixty-four pages. Uh, right? Wait, Something actually, like that. how do you do the math on that? One, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight villains. Yeah. Eight times sixty-four is not eight hundred. Nope. Oh wait, they're reprinting the uh, killing Alan joke Moore. as well. Yes. 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 That's right. Watch like. In like five years, they do Batman One Bad Day again, and there's another box set, but this one's sixteen hundred pages. Right. <laughs> it just keeps growing. Yeah, but no DC. There's a lot to be excited about in the in this list yeah, this week. Absolutely. So yeah, go to aptcomics.com to check out all of the cool art as well. Moving on to IDW. That's right, I and a D and then a W. <laughs> Star Trek: The Motion Picture is getting a new miniseries called Echoes. And it features Kirk and crew fighting double gangers of themselves. Double gangers? Doppel- I said that yeah, right? Doppelgangers, yeah. Chasm. 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 Uh, <laughs> it's odd that this is called Star Trek The Motion Picture, right? I guess that's... Well, it's set right, right after, after the movie, that. apparently. Yeah. But, yeah. but I, you're right. Like, it doesn't have to right. be titled that. <laughs> I wish it was called Star Trek The Motion Picture Point Five or something like that. Ooh, yes. No, I, sure. I'm glad it's not called that. Uh, cool. Yeah, I, I'm a... I'm a 
oddly a defender of that first movie, even though it's extremely slow. <laughs> uh, and I'm, I'm excited to, to sort of get more into, you know, focusing on that time period. Like clearly some things went down between the first movie and Wrath of Khan. So if they're fighting double gangers, right? Does that mean it's like mirror universe stuff? Possibly. Yeah. It doesn't say we'll in the see. thing, but that's where my mind immediately goes. Sometimes when I'm just daydreaming, uh-huh. my mind goes to the nineties and I think about street fighter and I'm like, wow, who could they fight next? And then teenage mutant Ninja turtles pops in right. and then that's a comic coming out in May. That's right. Can you believe it? I can believe I it. I made that happen. Yeah. And I'm cool, but rude. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So IDW is coming out with this, uh, TMNT versus Street Fighter series, yeah. which is pretty cool. Five issue miniseries. I mean, talk about nostalgia, right? Yes. No, this is this looks like a lot of fun. Uh, great creative team on this. I had asked you off uh, Mike, uh, what the hell is psycho powered fighting for? Great question. <laughs> I, I, I So I'm not super up on Street Fighter lore, but yes. uh, I believe the villain M. Bison uses psycho energy, if that's true. Oh, uh, okay. I, I think yeah. that's true. But uh, yeah, uh, Ariel Metal, uh, Paul Allor, and Sarah Meyer working on this series. I'm really excited about that. I loved Allor's um, G.I. Joe run a few years ago. Right. Uh, mm-hmm. And so and, and their, all their licensed work has been really fantastic as well. Yeah. Uh, outside of that and so yeah the, this is uh this looks like fun i mean you put ninja turtles in a room with anybody i'll read it <laughs> how about ninja turtles and the golden girls absolutely are you kidding me <laughs> maybe just quits now the show because I, how could i ask that real question? uh there's a preview on aapt of guile getting punched in the face by a ninja turtle so yeah. go check that out um i love this quote by ariel the artist yes my head hasn't stopped exploding since they offered me the project which makes me... Uh, what was that movie, that horror movie where that head explodes? Scanners? Famously? Yes. This is a scanner <laughs> moment, I think. Yeah. <laughs> uh, moving on to some Alex Ross news. Every week we have Alex Ross news. That's not true. <laughs> of course. Alex Ross and CGC, that's right, those folks that grade your books, are teaming up for an in-house private signing. Huh. One time only, they say. Yeah. Uh, you have to submit your books by April 14th. I think you just submit in the usual way, but uh, Alex will sign it and you get a very special, exclusive CGC signature Alex Ross like banner thing at the top. Oh, wow. And, yeah, and it's exclusive grading as well. Huh. It's only $20 more, too, which isn't so bad. I mean, it's already 110 to get your book graded, yeah. but I don't know. I saw somewhere on Reddit, someone was saying there's like controversy with CGC and there's another one that does grading. Like because there's been some talk that maybe they're fibbing on the grade. There, there are a lot of yeah. There's there's a lot of controversy around like grading for both comics and video games and stuff like that. That that's it's it's yeah. It's a little harder to for people to justify the cost and and to. I mean, there's been a lot of like artificial inflation, particularly in the video game Mm. market. So I'm I'm assuming that that's happening. You know, or that some Mm. people are seeing stuff like that happen as well. Yeah, if you don't know, CGC takes a comic, grades it, and then puts it inside a piece of plastic so it can never touch air again. Yeah, and it's not only protected, but what's that? I want that. I want to be wrapped. <laughs> I want to be wrapped tightly in plastic and just. Nathan wants to be a bubble take boy. Take a nap. Or or an S. What is that? Uh, I'm not gonna say. Uh, <laughs> um. But the thing is, when you get it graded, a, a book that was $100 can now be worth like $800. Oh, yeah. So that's why there could be controversy. Because like, if they just rate a bunch of stuff really high, uh-huh. even if it's not true, those books can all of a sudden go from you know $1,000 to worth $10,000. Sure. It's, it's pretty crazy. But uh, yeah, so if you like Alex Ross, it seems like a pretty sweet deal. It's not even that much money more. And uh, Alex, oh, so, oh, hey, Alex. Yeah, thanks. Yeah, no, it was three hundred dollars for me to talk about on the podcast. <laughs> cool, thank you. Good, you good? No, no, you know, yeah, yeah. Get a sandwich. Go ahead. No, you're good. Sorry, guys. Sorry, <laughs> my friend Alex was here. Moving on to our last bit of news: the savage strength of Starstorm is launching. Yeah, it's a uh, it's a new orphan teen hero book. Get his name. Wait, hold on. Listen to his name: Grant Garrison. Love huh? it. Classic. Love it. Yes. I sh- I sure wish my name was alliterative, like I said last week. I mean, yes, David Drug. Is that what you said? <laughs> 
I forget what it was, but it rhymes. Yeah, I, I, I this looks great, and I, I love, uh, you know, Drew Craig, the creator, is talking about how this is like definitely like a love letter to all the comics he was reading growing up. So it, it has mm. that very like classic mm-hmm. vibe to it. Yeah, there's a preview on APT. Uh, it looks, it looks fun. I like the art. Yeah, West West Craig does a um. A variant. I wonder if they're related. It doesn't say they are. That would be interesting. I, I but they have the last love name, the idea behind this. The new image book. Uh, it follows this kid as he uh, loses his memory when a meteor hits his school, and he hmm. finds a strange artifact that gives him superpowers, like you do. <laughs> the artwork is gorgeous, though. Like, yeah, I, it reminds me of like a couple different artists melded into one. Yeah, it's pretty this cool. looks so cool. I can't wait to check it out. Sci-fi superheroes. Image is so good at those. Yeah, totally. With like Radiant Black uh-huh. and all the other ones I haven't, I can't remember. Off the top of my head. <laughs> <laughs> Moving on to our top books of the week, our top two favorite comics of the week. That's right. That's right. <laughs> I love, I That's love right. talking and show. I want to do, I want to host a game show. That's you it. Should. I have, it has to happen. That's on my bucket list. Do it. It's going to happen someday. Do it right now. <laughs> <laughs> with us is nathan nathan hey. thank you for being on the show for the first time so, long time for 500 dollars, what's your second favorite book of the week i wow you're gonna pay me 500 dollars. well you have to get it right okay <laughs> uh well i think my second favorite book of the week was swamp thing green hell number two Ooh, sorry we're looking for super mario number four is that did that come out this week is that real oh this show was recorded in 1993 that's crazy <laughs> seems wrong to do that this bit is now over uh yeah swamp thing green hell number two as as our uh reviewer colin moon said it was worth the wait uh the the Mm. issue number one came out in january 2021 so it's been a while and uh so i was very happy to finally get this book in my hands and yeah, I actually found it to be more engaging than the first issue. This is uh, a story of the Parliament of Trees. Uh, the Green has gotten frustrated with the uh, humanity's disregard for the Earth, and so they've created a new swamp thing to kill everyone that's left. Um, mm. And so a 90-year-old John Constantine has... Uh, resurrected Alec Holland to help him finish, you know, to help him save the world. Basically, there's one last way to do it, and this uh, issue sort of dives into the idea that maybe there are still some heroes out there in the wilderness and the in the wastelands, and unexpectedly ties into uh, one of my favorite Jeff Lemire series ever. Uh, I won't won't spoil anything beyond that, but. Uh, yeah, it's it's a gruesome looking book, and there's some really intense action. But it's uh, the things that really resonated with me was how how well Jeff Lemire understands Alec Holland and the idea that he will always want to put his family first and and want to you know rest in peace, but he's just too good of a man to let people die. Mm, interesting. Uh, it's a great great issue. Uh, really looking forward to hopefully they will stay on target and I can, you know, read the finale <laughs> next month. Stay on target. Well, it's solicited in the May. Uh, oh, that's right. Yes. So. Yeah. For, so and, and those are, you know, holy writ. You can't go against right. those. So, yeah, hopefully, hopefully it'll be out next month and then I can grab the trade in May. I have something to confess. What's that? I've been singing the Nickelback song Hero the whole time you spoke. Uh-huh. <laughs> and they say that I'm so high. <laughs> I just tee you up. Look, man, I gotta well look as the world's <laughs> biggest fan of the Spider-Man oh, soundtrack. Oh, they're gonna say Nickelback. Gotta tell you, it's Chad Kroger and Josie Scott. It's not technically a Nickelback song. So was that the same album with um the uh shoot the uh what was what's that emo band that did the song? You, oh, you're you thinking of Dashboard Confessional? Yes, that's the second yes, yes, movie. Yes. That was that ah, plays sorry. over the credits. Vindicated. Yes, yes, yes. Yes. I am Hair selfish. On... I am wrong. <laughs> Isolate that, uh, listeners. We we need to we need to do the karaoke movie where you star. Okay. And, uh, you, what a, you what hit a every cool karaoke movie. <laughs> and you, you hit every karaoke in town <laughs> to uh, earn the money to save your mother's for her heart transplant. I don't wow, know. Wow, that is quite a confabulation you've come up with. <sighs> 
yes, it quite is. It quite. It quite is. <laughs> uh, my second favorite book of the week was not necessarily a comic book, but I think it's worth mentioning. Yeah. Uh, and I think it's worthy. It was the Confabulation and Anecdotal Autobiography by Dave Gibbons. Yes. That's the title. Uh, it's out in comic shops now. And it's actually out in bookstores in a few weeks. It's not the usual like next week thing. But um, Dave Gibbons is, of course, known for most most notably, I'd say, for Watchmen. Sure. Of course, he, he drew Watchmen with Alan Moore. But he also did Batman vs. Predator, guys. Come on. <laughs> sure. No, he's... If anything, you read this and you realize... Uh, it's an illustrious career, yes. and he speaks directly to the reader, um, delivering some some really fascinating anecdotes. There's plenty of art. It's really well designed. The book as well. Yeah, it's only 256 pages, but it's organized uh, alphabetically, which I found really really easy to read. Like nice. I could literally just flip around and see what I want to read, or yeah, I, I could read up. it cover to cover. That sounds great. The first listing is actually Alien, and it's about how him and Mike Mignola. Right. Uh, we're, we're, they did an alien book and they were so excited. They thought they were going to make all this money because at the time all the alien books were doing well, but unfortunately this one didn't. Right. And what's interesting, and this is just one of many really interesting anecdotes. He says, Mignola at the time was like getting sick of working for Marvel and DC. And then this was like the, he thinks the nail in the coffin for doing licensed books or books that weren't his own creation. So at the, at the end of this, it's only like three so paragraphs. Alien He's like salvation basically yeah. pushed him to make Hellboy. Exactly. That's yeah. We have to wild. thank alien. Right. There's some great anecdotes too. like Jim Lee and Dan Didio came to him uh, asking if they could do before Watchmen. Uh And he details like kind of their angle. And he he doesn't necessarily, you know, write about them in in the most positive light. It's not like a takedown Uh or anything. But if you like like gossipy kind of stories, there's a couple in there. I love mess. He he talks he talks plenty about Watchmen Um, and Alan Moore and working with Alan Moore. So, yeah, it's. I mean, even a historian. There's a lot of cool yeah. anecdotes, and, and and he's been in the industry for so long. It's it's a it's a great read. Awesome, I'll check it out. Uh, but what is you all first? Yeah, my first? favorite book. My favorite first book favorite. this week. Uh, <laughs> look, I, I guess I'm just fated to put this on the list uh, all the time. But uh, Fantastic Four <laughs> number four by Ryan North and Evan Coelho. Nice. Um, this is the. This is. Um, the <laughs> reveal of what happened uh, in New York to the Fantastic Four, why they uh, had to go their separate ways when uh, Reed left a big old crater in the middle of New York City. Um, and as has been established by this book so far, where it's focusing on much more human stories, even when they're dealing with like cosmic, you know, catastrophes, uh it's it's a much more emotional tale than you expect. Uh, you know, mm-hmm. Reed had to make an impossible decision, and it it has, it's it, they didn't only split up for their own good, but because I don't think they could have stayed in a room together after what after what Reed had to do uh, to to right. save the world. Uh, so it it ends up uh, being a very very difficult, very emotional story. I mean, if you've ever wanted to see the Mister Fantastic cry. <laughs> in a very uh shocking image you know that 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 plays out in sort of a hallucinatory section of the book uh you, you're gonna get it um there's mm-hmm. just some really really lovely character moments throughout this book and then also coelho gets to go ham on some wild over-the-top action that we haven't really seen from this series yet I really appreciate how he does the powers, like yes. Invisible Woman. In the smallest panel, she's like doing, uh, she's creating invisible chains yes. to hold back some monsters. She's got like four or five different platforms that she's created, a bunch of them in little force field bubbles, uh, you know, and meanwhile, Ben is smacking those bubbles around with his fists. And <laughs> yeah, it's a, it's a, it's, it's great. It's great stuff. And it's a satisfying explanation for why they were broken up for the first three And it doesn't necessarily bring that story to an end either. Like, we're still going to be seeing how this affects them going forward and how how it plays out with their, how New York views them, how they view each other. Mm -hmm. It's, uh, It's good. It's really good. There's a great. I'm not going to spoil, it, but there's a great panel where there's there's some parents. They were pushing a, a stroller. Oh yes, and the stroller is just like gone. Oh yeah, and like imagine like you don't even know like your kid could have just been incinerated. Right, heartbreaking. <laughs> yeah, yeah. It's 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 cool too. The idea of what Reed did is like an interesting sci-fi concept 
that I won't get into to not spoil right. it. And there's actually another sci-fi concept uh, explaining at the end of the last issue, there was a big uh, dome that looked like Thing's skin. Yes. And explaining what that was was another interesting yeah, thing. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, it's uh, I, I, I'm loving this book because it takes the sort of bombastic cosmic action we know about the Fantastic Four, these big ideas, and applies them to human emotion it has so much heart and it remembers that these characters are i mean they're marvel's first family so they're gonna yep. fight like a family right exactly yes exactly right yeah well said thanks man what's your favorite book of the week oh would that be danger street danger street danger number three street. tom king and jorge fornes yeah. continue to wow me i think every issue of this has been on my list um you kind of talked a little bit about like how there's uh, a grounded nature to Fantastic Four. Yeah. This book, like he's taking you know uh, Darkseid yeah. and like making him humanized a little bit. It he yeah. does these books. I mean, it's usually these miniseries like Mister Miracle where these are the fantastical characters uh -huh. that like only Jack Kirby could draw, and he's bringing them down into this like almost like sit not sitcom but like TV style yeah. real realism. It's the most like down to earth story I ever thought I'd read about Atlas the Great. You know, <laughs> <laughs> the first two pages of this book are a great example of that because it opens with a a, a super close up of a Google search bar. Yes, yeah. And our and Lady Copper, one of our main characters, is typing in blue superheroes, and she's <laughs> she's trying <laughs> to right. figure out who killed a, a little kid, uh -huh. and all she has to go on are blue superhero or villains, right? And then meanwhile, the next page, she's dealing with toner, a lack of toner in a printer right. and how no fucking printers ever work. Smash cut to outer space, Kirby crackle. Uh, I mean, ridiculous yes, just swing. And uh, the book continues to blend like these superheroes that are trying to live in a normal world. Yes. I mean, there, there are two heroes that are like hold out in a hotel room and they're complaining about coffee. I mean, <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Uh, there's a, a fabulous nine-panel grid, of course, from Tom King, um, where Fornes draws a bunch of blue heroes, one of which is Blue Superman, which is the nice That's little right. nod to yeah. that ridiculous era for Superman. Uh, there's a lot of little fun in-jokes. Um, you know, we're taking the new gods and uh -huh. bringing them down to a level that I, I'm I'm fully expecting Lady Cobb to like slap Darkseid in the face or something uh, it's coming, at some point. Right? It's got to be, right? I feel like, yeah, ever since Tom King and Mr. Ads had that moment where Darkseid eats some carrot <laughs> from, a, from a veggie plate, yeah. he's probably been thinking, how do I top that? How do I top uh -huh. that? So I'm I'm fully expecting something, maybe not Darkseid, but some but some incredible god is going to do something very, you know, inane at some it's point. It's so good. Yeah, this is such a great, this is such a fantastic series. It's, uh, it's consistently surprising while also being kind of almost exactly what I thought it would be, if that makes sense. Like, yeah. I don't mean that yeah. as a slam either. Uh, no. so yeah, I, I, I'm fascinated by this book and I'm, I'm glad you're digging it. Yeah. I can't wait to just, I mean, by the time we have this thing wrapped up, it's going to be so long from now, but uh -huh. I can't wait for every issue. Uh, moving on to standout. Kapow! Moment of the week. It's the moment of the it's week. The it's the panel or page we like. That's right. That's that's our jingle. We play it every week. I feel like the singing on this show has gotten more. Amped. Yeah, I'm sorry about that. <laughs> no, it's not your fault. I'm singing a I lot. I just got the music in my soul. In uh, this segment, we talk about our favorite panel or page. My favorite panel comes from Avengers Forever number 14 by Jason Aaron. I think Jim Toe draws, draws this panel specifically, but uh -huh. there's actually three artists on this book. Uh our Avengers of, of the multiverse are fighting all these dooms. That's right. And the epic Ego Doom, Ego the Living Planet Doom version, uh, is Taylor's version. Is fighting as well. <laughs> yeah. And uh, a character basically flies into their head and pops out their eye yep. with the eye yep. in hand. And the eye is as big as, I don't know, a cement truck? Two cement trucks? Sure. It's really big. Uh,. And he screams, Arg! <laughs> <laughs> it's wild. It's, like, do you remember when uh, the comics code wouldn't allow, like, a blade to come through the other side of a body? Uh, the comics code comic? wouldn't even allow you to say the word werewolf. <laughs> yes, right. Now we've got eyes coming out of heads. I mean, what a time to be alive. What a time. Bless. Uh, but 
What was your favorite moment? I really loved a moment from Masters of the Universe, Masterverse, number one, nice. by uh, Tim Seeley and a whole mess of other folks. Uh, this specific section comes to us uh, in the... Well, so this book is essentially Edge of Spider-Verse with He-Man characters, uh, mm -hmm. exploring different universes, different ways that these characters could have turned out. And in this short story, Curse of Castle Grayskull, by Kelly Jones, Brennan Wagner, Darren Bennett, and uh, script by Tim Seeley, uh, we see a very dark version of He-Man who draws upon the power of horror and evil. Uh, the the yeah. way he calls down the lightning is he says by the horror of Grayskull, <laughs> which leads us to this truly terrifying panel where he's transformed into this beast with sunken eyes that looks like the castle itself has like been given human form uh, and says, I am the horror. And uh, it just rules. It's so it was so unexpected to see something that scary in this book. It like it's truly haunting in mm. the way that only Kelly Jones can create. Um, so good, I love him so much. I do too. And I did not realize how badly I wanted to see Kelly Jones <laughs> draw Scareglow, <laughs> a character yes. that like you know when we had Tim Sheridan on the show last year, he kept talking about how fucking stoked he was to put Scareglow in a TV series in Masters of the Universe Revelation. So, uh, yeah, just everything about this page speaks to the Masters of the Universe nerd in me and and uh, the Kelly Jones nerd in me. It's such a smart idea yeah. that the multiverse has alternate versions of these characters. Yeah, it's a it's a fun yeah. I mean, it's a fun way to, to do a, a sort of anthology series uh, giving different takes on these characters. And it's so cool that they're doing it because you don't see that very often in <clears throat> excuse me. You don't see that too often in books that are based around like toy licenses, right? Like they have <laughs> right. very specific, you know, uh, parameters of what kind of stories you're allowed to tell. And I just think that this franchise in general has been taking so many huge chances recently. Uh, what with Revelation and this series, the Injustice crossover. Uh, it's just uh, it's really cool to see. Way back in 2019, November 2019, episode 48. Tim Seeley was on to talk about He-Man. That's right. Uh, because it was a DC book at the time. That's right. Another, yeah. They had owned the license. Such a wild idea that now it's a Dark Horse. <laughs> so he's back. Uh -huh. But I'm, I, I bring it up because on that interview, he talked, you should go back and listen. He's he's a huge He-Man yeah. fan. Like he talks oh, yeah. I've read, just uh, over, on and on about the toys and how important they were to his childhood. Definitely. Yeah, it's a, it's a it's a cool concept, and, and there's some other stories in there too. I, I'm I'm really excited to see what comes next oh, for the next few. Issues. Yeah, I gotta say, like this was really close to being in my top two. Like it was it was just a matter of, you know, uh, it was a very thin margin. But like the fact that we have a a He-Man story by Sergio Aragones is like so I know, fucking right? cool and like such a no-brainer thing, right? Like get get the Gru guy to do a He-Man story. <laughs> it makes perfect sense. It's wild to me too, because Dark Horse was saying he's writing his final Guru story. That's right. He's he's quite old, and obviously he can't do this forever. And then he just pops in to do like a Master of the <laughs> and Universe it's story. Great. It like it's perfect. Right. Yeah, he's still got yeah, it. Yeah, he he absolutely still got it. Moving on to top books for next week. We're talking about our most anticipated book this week. And oh my god, Tim Seeley intercepts my local <laughs> man number one pick. Uh, he writes and draws the backup of this excellent book. I yeah. got to read it early, so I know it's good. Um, Tony Fleece uh, draws the main story. It's essentially a mm, it's a celebration of 90s image comics, uh -huh. those kind of superheroes. And it's about a superhero who has been kicked off his superhero team. And he's even been told he can't use his powers. And... Um, Bit of a spoiler, but there's a moment where he uses his shield. He doesn't use a shield, actually. He uses, like, a trash can lid uh -huh. to defend himself. But the superheroes find out, and he is, like, contractually obligated to never use a shield in public. <laughs> <laughs> so it's, like, wacky. And then the backup, which is drawn by Seeley and written by him, is just straight up, like, what this team would have been like in the 90s. So right. it's a huge that that's ultimately a huge celebration of the 90s um, comics. But, yeah, it's a, it's a, it's a nice, like... A wink and a nod to the reader as yeah. far as fans like us who've been reading superhero comics for so long but it feels new and different and it's trying to say something about superheroes as well love that what are you looking forward to um so i, I cheated a little bit because technically this book was released previously digitally 
but mm. I have not gotten a chance to read it yet. So I'm really looking forward to Blue Book number one by James Tynan IV and Michael Avon Oming. Uh, this is a, uh, they, basically they're telling true, quote unquote, true stories of alien mm. encounters and other uh, supernatural goings on. Uh, very excited to see this team retell uh, the story of Betty and Barney Hill, one of the most famous alien abduction stories of all time uh, in, in their unique style. If you were a subscriber to their to Tynan's um, Substack, you probably read this already. Yeah. But now you get it in paper form. Yeah, I, I'm so excited. Yeah, I'm yeah. such a sucker for for true paranormal stories and, you know, adding on the fact that like two of my favorite creators are working on this book i'm just over the moon if you told me like six years ago james tynan would be like the conspiracy theory monsters in the night kind of <laughs> writer i'd be like what what are you talking about uh -huh. he's a superhero writer right exactly <laughs> next segment judging by the cover junior we're such crooners i know <laughs> I, I don't have my upper register this this week so <laughs> make That's it okay. I, I have a register right here cha-ching anyway Ew. bad jokes Love it. Oh, what is your favorite cover out next week? I love the cover art to Lazarus Planet Omega, specifically the uh, variant cover by Jen Bartel. Uh, this is a sort of Art Nouveau-inspired Dreamer cover. Mm, so uh, pretty. Yeah, I mean, I love Dreamer. I love that, that she's getting such a spotlight in comics right now, especially during this event. Uh, but yeah, just this this uh, really gorgeous sort of theatrical look at this character with with her with her name up top where it deserves to be. Uh, yes. Yeah. And uh, yeah, it's just uh, it's it's stunning. The colors are just they just pop right off the page. Yeah, the framing is beautiful. It almost looks like a tarot card or something. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, that's like that's one of the th it's it's very like it feels very indebted to like Mucha or like those other Art Nouveau mm. artists. And it's just mm -hmm. really cool. I very love pretty. it. If you go to amputeecomics.com, you can see that cover. The dreamy, if you will. <laughs> my favorite cover comes from Mike Del Mundo. Yes, that's right. The Hell Mike yeah, this one. Oh my God, I was hoping <laughs> that's the one you picked. <laughs> Spawn Unwanted Violence number two is uh -huh. out next week. Uh, it's the finale. It's a two-parter. But uh, what the hell? This cover, man. It, we got Spawn looking badass as hell in the yeah. background. There is police tape, do not cross, flowing in the wind, and his chains... Uh, are turning into or, or they're the turning into the is, tape or the, or the yeah. tape is like tangling and becoming <laughs> look, looking like his chains. I, it's such a cool it concept. Is, it rules. It's so it's, good. It's otherworldly. It, the coloring is amazing. The yeah. lighting is amazing. Yeah. His cape is also not like overly done like it sometimes is, which right. can rub me the wrong way. But here it just looks like a cool cape flying up in the air. Definitely. Um, what a beautiful! It's just the framing of it. It's just your eye. You're just like it's like a, a pinwheel or something. You're you're drawn in and you're just taking it all in. Yeah, it's a it's a really cool concept. And just the, yes, the way the yeah. cross chains look. It, you can see there's like some volume to them. The way he's colored them. Yeah, it's very very cool. And in our next and final segment, join us as Jackson Lansing and Colin Kelly talk all about Batman One Bad Day, Clayface, Hollywood, and more. Your third time, I think, on the APT Comics Podcast. And similar to every interview on the APT Comics Podcast, we're going to act like we're recording this live. Hey, thanks for being on the APT Comics Podcast. Hey! Absolutely our pleasure. Hello again, fans uh, out there in the universe. It's your <laughs> friends got, Colin now, and Jackson. Now we've got the triumvirate. We, uh, we've got the, uh, what's the triple crown? Triple crown. That's right. Hat trick? I don't know. Hat trick. I was going to go with hat trick. trick. <laughs> That's what I'm looking for. Sports Thank analogies. You. That's what this interview is all about. <laughs> Especially with Clayface, an actor, an actor, I would say. Indeed, he's so would he. So one bad day, Clayface. Uh, when I saw you guys announced, I was so so excited. Of course, I, I pretty much I, I say this to you every time I talk to you, but I keep telling people you are the future of comics. I think you're like the next big thing. Jesus, all right. <laughs> so no no pressure, but seriously, don't let me down. Uh, <laughs> to start though. Does Clayface hold a special place in your heart? So wildly, yeah. <laughs> uh, it, it, uh, uh, Clayface has been a character we've been talking about wanting to write for years. Like That's literally since we first got brought cool. in on Batman stuff, we had, we had a, an initial sort of conversation back on the Batman and Robin Eternal days about like what we would want to, and we just like, you know, you're like, hey man, now that we're in the DC universe, what can we do? What can we play around with? What would be fun? And uh, Colin specifically has been like very interested in Clayface uh, for a long time. 
Uh, yeah, um, I well, so fell in love with the character like so many with uh, Batman with Batman the animated series, right? There's that goddamn beautiful episode that is one of the first truly heartbreaking episodes of that series, um, and it, you know, when your first introduction to the character is the tragedy of him, like yes, he is a monster. Yes, he can go through these one bad days and he'll snap, but at his heart, like, I don't want to say he's a good man because he's not. Um, but he is a man with dreams and hope and who is driven by his passion, which he believes to be to create art, right? To perform. Uh, and that's deep in his core. Um, but he's always going to get in his own way. Um, there's a deep tragedy to him because he has so much potential as a person and so often fails to get even close to living up to what that could be. It's interesting. You and said, he's gooey. And he's gooey and wet. And I love the gunk. Are you getting the I action figure? Gunk. The action figure is disgusting. <laughs> oh, I got to add him to my collection. Yeah, he's a, he's a big boy too. Um, when you were asked to do one, this one bad day story, was Clayface always the the character you'd be writing? It was. Yeah, they they came to us with Clayface. They nice. they came and and like and I I was actually a little thrown. Um, I, they Dave Wilgos uh, from DC came to us and he said, Hey, we're doing these one bad day things here's all the people who are working on it and all the characters. And I'm like, man, that's all the Batman characters and all of my favorite creators. Where do we fit in on this? And they were like, well, we want you to do Clayface. And I was like, Clayface? <laughs> yeah, wait a minute. Like, we're not, like, well, because my my take on Clayface generally has been that I, I think he's a really interesting character when you make him heroic. And then I also think he's a really interesting character as a horror mm. uh, element. And we are, for for all of, you know, the the stuff that we are doing and as you said like we're, we're popping off a lot in comics right now none of it's horror right we're not really known for horror there's some great horror writers in comics we learned at the foot of james tynan when we first came into dc like we know from horror but we are not really horror writers generally mm -hmm. we've even done some hollywood like horror stuff that's never really worked out all that well so we we don't really think of ourselves as horror guys and so he came to us and said well so then why clayface like why come to us for this because dave has worked with us a lot. He's the guy behind Batman Beyond Neo Year. Like he he knows when to use us. So I was like, why this? And he said, oh, I thought it would be obvious because you guys live in Hollywood and you know what that's like. You've gone through that world. Um, Colin and I started as feature writers. You know, we 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 still work in Hollywood. Like Hollywood's a big part of our lives, and it's and we've lived here for over a decade. We know how that studio system works. We know what it's like to be on set. We know what it's like to go through the, the many abuses that the Hollywood system provides young talent. Um, why not find a way to put Clayface into that? Mm -hmm. And that really unlocked something, certainly in me, I think in both of us, but but I I had I was I was a little further away from the character than Colin was, obviously. Mm -hmm. Um so when we came to it and we said, hey, you know, this is actually an opportunity to do something that we've been secretly aching to do, but have never really known how to do it, which is to take the lived experience of a decade of Hollywood, of like what it's like to be in your 20s and start to wonder if you're ever going to succeed in this industry that is constantly about shutting you down. Right. And, Churning forcing out people. and forcing you into some of your worst behaviors and some mm. of your worst aspects. Like you don't always act in a way that you are proud of when you operate in Hollywood. And that is a that is its own, you know, learning yep. system and like how you go through all of that. So we realized like we actually had a lot of really personal stuff to talk about here that was like, pretty probing and, and a little scary and a little self-reflective um and once we realized that like that felt like horror felt like our kind of horror it was like horror right. that came from character and horror that came from the inability of this man to be good despite mm -hmm. all of his intentions of being good um, the, it's almost like sort of open up play face for us for us it's ironic actually i was just thinking about this obviously california has been slammed by massive storms recently yeah. um and for us horror isn't the person jumping out of the dark with a knife to us, horror is the landslide slowly coming towards you when you're trapped in your car and you know you can't get out. Mm. Like, that's fucking horror. And in the same way, this is the story of a man who is effectively rolling towards his inevitable destiny. Um, for folks who haven't uh, picked it up yet or don't know what we're talking about, it's going to be a story about what starts with Clayface moving to Los Angeles, having moved to Hollywood to finally 
pursue his dreams, right? Out from under Gotham's shadow into the light of Los Angeles and trying to like find his way, right? Like so many people do when they come here with, with a hope and a dream and a passion. Um, so that's what we're really talking about. We're bringing him as close as he can possibly get to his apotheosis, the best possible version of himself. What an amazing place for a man who can wear any face than Los Angeles, Hollywood. Um, and so then getting to take our experiences, Jack puts out to, you know, point it out and then put him through that grinder. Cause they say, write what you know, but I guarantee you from our perspective, no one finds stories about Hollywood interesting unless you are in Hollywood. Right. right? right. So no one really wants to hear about the tough life a screenwriter has mm -hmm. by and large. So this was our chance to really kind of take all that pain and, and funnel it into something that people do give a shit about, which is the giant mud man. <laughs> landslides as you said um both of you are fairly attractive did you, either of you uh try out as an actor or have the actor bug <laughs> i acted when i was a teenager uh, okay. I, like i was like a child actor and sort of like a teenage actor but not in any and not in anything like in like film i did theater um and, but i uh, uh like literally a kid in my school in my classroom when i was like sixth grade kid named max mm -hmm. was like uh, I, I said something about like, you know, right? I don't remember how it kicked off, but he came out and he was like, because I was I was always like the lead in the plays. And he was like, you're going to be the actor. You'll be on stage and I'll be behind the scenes pulling the strings of the director. Uh -huh. And I literally remember there was like part of my brain that was like, fuck you, I'll be behind the scenes. As director. <laughs> and it like changed my entire Started life. Started a fire. Like, I, just, I changed my whole life out of spite in sixth grade. Thank you, Max. Never, and never looked back. And I was like, I'm, I'm going to write and direct uh, and that's going to be what I do after high school. So until I get out of high school, I'll act. And then once I get out, I'll, I'll stop acting. Mm -hmm. And lo and behold, that's exactly what I did. Yeah. And we've done internet stuff, obviously, all kind of around. But I, I think the, uh, that it, oh man, I just totally lost it. I had such a great point. And then it just, it just oh, gooped right out of my head. Long, oh, sorry. acting. Um, the thing about <laughs> it is it's acting. Um, <laughs> the wild thing is there is only one job worse than screenwriter in Hollywood. And that is actor. Uh -huh. um, it is, it's wild. Cause as a, as a writer, you are constantly creating work and you love it. You spend so much time with it and you give it to someone and they say, this is good. We'll get back to you. Mm. And you're like, Oh, it's like a fucking kick to the, to the, Junk. Mud, junk to the mud, to the to the gunk. <laughs> um, and it's terrible, but at least you say, oh, they didn't like the script. Right, you can fix that. I can I can fix that. You I can't can, fix it's your not face. me. No, man, <laughs> when you're an actor, it's never like, mm, this performance is like, you are wrong. Mm -hmm. And that is goddamn heartbreaking. And an actor needs to hear that. It takes us, we'll get, you know, we'll write a script, we'll get rejections on it. But, you know, we only have one script every three months, four right. months. An actor goes out every day. And every day hears, we don't like you. Right. Woof. Like that is, so that's no, like, do we, could, are we handsome? Could we have been actors? Yeah, maybe, probably. We're, we can memorize lines, you know, we can sing and dance. Sure. But like, no, nah, I don't have the self-confidence to do that. Right, right, right. I, well, that's my, I, I, I genuinely, I have so much respect for our friends who are actors. Yeah. In, in fact, like some of, some of the stuff in this book is directly reflective of the mm. lived experience, not of us, but of our actors friends i'm realizing as this book comes out that I, I need to make a couple of phone calls because uh, i don't <laughs> like, surprise friends was that me in the book wait Cause... did you just take something from my life like i don't want to be that guy right um but like we really did try to like home the the experience that we've seen over that decade right. and find a way to frame it in and i just think like the people that i know who are actors in any respect, so, you know, like highly successful people to, you know, work at a actors who are, who are still trying to find their gig. Like it is a, it's a gauntlet that you, you really only can sympathize with if you are, if you're a person who has given up something um, like safety and security and self-worth for a dream, mm -hmm. um, which not everybody's been through. And I think that might be why people are drawn to Hollywood stories, right? Like right. when they are is because you get to live safely in your life, but get to experience what it's like to jump off that cliff mm -hmm. from the perspective of someone else. Right, um, right, right. You know what I mean? There's a, you spend a good deal, having read the first 44 pages, you spend a good deal of time with, with some friends of Clayface. I don't think that's too big of a spoiler to say, and they are Definitely. actors. And there is like a whole sequence or scene where there is, um, 
a tryout. What do they call that for actors? Uh, audition. Audition, sorry. And uh, it made me think, when, when I last talked to you, you, were, you told me all about how you pitched Star Trek to IDW like 10 years ago, I think it was. Yeah. And pitching must be similar to auditioning in a sense. And then I just saw Colin like just going crazy with his acting just now. I'm wondering if that's how you pitch uh, when you're in the room with somebody. But is there, do you, do you think there is a connection between pitching and auditioning? Oh my God, man. It's a one-to-one. Um, people, it's one of the things uh, that's so hard for uh, kind of new talent, new creators uh, in Hollywood to wrap their head around is like when you're pitching, you're only half pitching the story. Right. Like stories change. Stories can be fixed. Visuals can change. They can ever all of that can change. Once again, what can't change is you and your personality. And this isn't like an actor where it's like, oh, will you sell me Was your face? Sell me lots of tickets. Like that's not what they're looking for when they're looking for a writer. What they're looking for is, can I work with you? Are you charming? Can we do you do we have the energy that we will need to go into the minds and battle out and make make a script make a story that's going to work like i need to be in the trenches with you mm-hmm. you are not my puppet you are my ally and that's the that's the test that a lot of pitching goes through and that's one of the differences between pitching and auditioning i think nice. um but they are they are it's two sides of the same coin my guy nice clayface was humanized greatly by james tynan i think in his detective comics run in other cases he's fully monstrous what are you, what is your approach here uh, I don't want to spoil a thing, but I want I want to know your take. Sure. So, I in, in some ways we can't totally spin that out without spoiling it, yeah. um, because I think I think we say pretty fundamentally at the end of the story what our take on Clayface is. Uh-huh. Uh, that said, um, there's a there's a a phrase that gets used when you're talking about being an actor or when you're talking about being a certainly when you're talking about being a writer. Um, it's something that comes up a lot when you talk about where how you find your creative voice. Mm-hmm. Um, and I don't know where to where to attribute it to, honestly. I'm sure there's an original sort of person who said this, but but I, I just sort of know it as like general advice, which is if you try to be everyone, you're gonna end up being no one. Hmm. Interesting. That, like by which I mean if you don't know who you are and what your perspective is, and all you have is other people's ideas and other people's perspectives, you're gonna be a you're gonna be a cover band. You're going to be a cover of the thing that you are trying to do rather than actually additive to the canon of the art you're trying to, to, to attain. And it's something I take to heart a lot because part of Colin and I's process is dialing in generally a theme or an idea or a style. Mm-hmm. And in early days, um, part of that conversation would become like, oh, it feels like this writer. Oh, this is like this thing kind of feels like Morrison. Or, oh, this thing kind of feels like. And the older we've gotten and the more confident we've gotten, the less we've done that because you find yourself then still playing the cover of the thing rather than realizing your own tone, your own objectives. Now when we talk, we say like, oh, this is more of a joyride or oh, this is more of a Star Trek or oh, this is more uh, of a Batman. Calling back to your work. Exactly, because we are starting to recognize our own thematics nice. and our own mood. But that took like 10 years to do. Mm-hmm. I think Basil thinks he's already got that. Mm-hmm. I think he thought he had it moment one i think he thought he's always had it i think he thinks he's a genius and he like started off being like i am a person with something to offer and without ever interrogating what it was he had to offer right he just assumed that he had it and so he comes into this which is a very personal god knows i felt that way once right Mm -hmm. i think i think most creators do it's the it's the self uh, air quote self it's like the self-delusion right it's the it's the reason that you come out here Right. And I use the air quotes of self-delusion because it's all of us suffer from it. And then some of us make good. Right. Right. right? But the idea that like, I have something that's so special, I'm going to come out to the land of stars and I'm going to express that to the world. Right. Um, and that's so innocent and so pure. And then it can turn so toxic. But and, it, I think, and, and, and I think that's Clayface, right? That ultimately right. The, the, the core thing that makes him a villain rather than making him a hero, the thing that makes him a monster rather than making him a human is that he does underneath, not just underneath the mud, but underneath Basil Carlo. Uh-huh. I don't know that we know who he is. I'm not sure he knows. And he doesn't know. Yeah, right. Yeah. Right. And I think he's, tr- I think he's definitely <laughs> trying to find it without honestly interrogating the problem first. And so he just ends up barreling through personalities and jobs and ideas and objectives. And when you do that fast enough, 
people are going to start to call you on your shit. Right. And, and the sort of the horror by the, the fantasy of One Bad Day Clayface is that every time somebody calls him on it, he can kill them and take them. Right, he has that power. And, and, yeah, and because he has that power, he slowly becomes the very abusive system mm-hmm. that is constantly abusing him. Right. Oh and that's, that's pretty good. You, you're good. You <laughs> and you, both of you. I'm, I'm fine. Um, the thing though, just for listeners, for readers. Uh, so, you know, this is not an extension of James's Clayface. Right. No. Right. Like these, yeah. all of these one bad days kind of sit yeah. in their own little pocket universe. Uh, so if someone's like picking it up and they're like, oh, but he's my favorite hero. It's right. like, I love that for you. That's great. I love him as a hero too. This yep. is not, this is one bad day. Uh, so it's interesting, yeah. Jackson, you were making a point about how, you know, you call back to your own work and yet the whole one bad day line is calling back to the killing joke in a sense. So I wanted mm. to just ask, I think this is my last question because we're running out of time. Was there added pressure in knowing that connection and then delivering on that with a Clayface tale? I mean, obviously. Yeah. <laughs> no, you're supposed to say I, no. Like, I, we're awesome. I think it is. I think it is the height. I think it is the height of hubris to, <laughs> like, truthfully, to be like, we're gonna make a bunch of killing jokes. Right. But. Right. I told you they called us and they offered us this gig by telling us the whole line. Mm-hmm. That's oh, the cool. only reason this works, because they hired a bunch of people who were all ready to try. Right. And that doesn't mean that they're yeah. all going to turn out to be stone cold classics, but honestly, the hit record's pretty good based on what's come out so far, man. That right. one bad day, Mr. Freeze is one of the best Robin oh stories I've ever read. So one cool. bad day, Riddler changed the way I think about Riddler. Mm-hmm. Like these are one bad day. Penguin could just be a penguin book. Like it was like, Oh, clearly you just have a whole penguin book ready to go. Like yeah. these are all really interesting, cool swings mm. that are all trying to do something interesting and new and 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 wild with the characters and are actually giving it that 64 pages to play. Right. So while, yeah, none of us can do Killing Joe, right? And none of us should. That's not a good objective. That's a Clayface objective. The, the, the goal isn't to try to be one bad day or mm. try to be Killing Joe, but is rather to take the opportunity that Alan Moore had on Killing which was what if we just had 64 pages to tell one story, right. which so rarely is offered in comics in any respect and embrace that one by one for heroes with like most, I say mostly because I cannot refer to us as top creators, but like most I can top, and I will. Thank you. Thank you. Very <laughs> nice of you. And, um, and, uh, and, and obviously like some of the best artists in the business, uh, was so it is simultaneously the height of hubris unless you take it seriously and really try to make it awesome which is exactly what dc did they're like this is not a cash-in we're actually making like a line of killing jokes um and then so the question for us was like do we reflect that back and of course we found a way because our story is a story about exactly this idea um to specifically reflect killing joke within the plot and framework of um of the clayface story because the movie that he is auditioning for the movie that he infiltrates it's at the center of this whole thing is an adaptation of killing joke mm-hmm. from within the context of dc but it let us talk about how hollywood adapts these stories and how hollywood looks at these things and how they move away from truth and how powerless you are as an artist to keep them on truth like it felt like a great way to just like incorporate so we tried to turn that hubris into a strength in the same way that dc did you know because they just killed it on this totally yeah uh, well, thank you so much for being on the APT Comics Podcast. You're, you're very welcome. Have a great night. <laughs> I have to say, the king of comedy, I was thinking of that movie, because when he started mm-hmm. killing everyone, I'm like, oh, is he just going to like have his own production and just like film himself in his mother's basement? You know the movie with um, Robert De Niro? <laughs> so, 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 it gets so much worse than that. I was uh, like, our, I our whole thing was like, our whole, our whole thing was like, uh, you know, if you're going to do this, our, our reference was uh, The Player. There was a oh, player. Okay. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Of course, classic. Um, it was just like once you, you you put you put one murder on your conscience, and then suddenly it's just you're doing all the murder, and it's like, oh man, I can't <laughs> stop until it's a snowball. Uh, it's a ball of mud. Let's call him a, a d- Goopy, big old goopy ball of mud. Big, big old goopy ball. Of mud. All right, take it easy, Anna.